You're listening to the Empower Your Legacy podcast. I am Michael Glover, the host of the show, and I am very excited for the guest that we had on today. Uh, a lot of times when we think about our legacy and things we want to, to do, we think about charitable causes. And so uh, very excited to have uh, Melody Durfee on the show today. Um, she talked a lot about charitable giving uh, a lot of different tools you can use. It seems like the rabbit hole can go pretty deep. So let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, everybody, this is Mike Glover with the Empower Your Legacy podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I have a very special guest with us today, Melody Durfee of the Legacy Global Foundation. And I want to thank you for coming on a little bit and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, as Mike stated, thank you again, Mike, for having me as a guest here. I'm Melody Durfee. I'm the president of Legacy Global Foundation, and I've been in the charitable realm for about 12 years now, dealing with high-end and complex tax or charitable planning strategies starting with a variety of the tools in that sector. Hopefully that is not just who I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> As a person, yeah. That's w what my job is. As far as who I am, I, I'm highly involved in my local community as a volunteer, both with community organizations, with some of the religious ones, with, well, everything except politics, Aside from the fact that I think everybody should vote, I want to stay far away from that. <laughs> right, we will. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know what else you want, to, want me to say well, about Well, so, so what is the organization that you work for? Ah, yes. Legacy Global Foundation. Uh, one way to describe them is they're a donor-advised fund platform. Okay. A donor-advised fund, for those of you who may not know, can also be called a DAF. So if I switch to that acronym, you know what it is now. DAF. DAF, yes. Right, okay. Uh, a donor advised fund is similar to when people want to set up a family foundation. There's a lot of forms that can take. A donor advised fund would be the easiest, simplest, cheapest way to do that because okay. instead of setting up a separate legal entity, you go to a public foundation that sponsors these and you essentially set up an account under their umbrella. Mm, okay. So just like if you want to do some banking business, it would be a lot of work and rather excessive to go start your own bank. Right. It's a lot of work, and you can get into a lot of trouble running a charity if you don't understand what's required and what the IRS wants. So instead of going through all that hassle, you can simply partner with somebody who's hopefully doing a good job on the compliance on making sure that the law is obeyed right. and take out an account with them. That would be a donor advised fund. So uh, so a lot of times when I talk with with real estate investors, you know, they're they're wanting a lot of times to do some kind of charitable giving. You know, and so they they come to me and they say, "Oh, you know, I want to start my own 501c3." Like, ah, oh, you know, that's really great that you want to do that. Uh, do you know what's going on with that? Do you know how to get that <laughs> yeah. started? And so what is the difference between setting up something like a private foundation versus a donor advice fund? What are some of the some of the things so that we can understand a little bit about why would I want to go one with the other? Something like that. Yeah, well, and the example you brought wouldn't be either of those two. <laughs> so let's, okay. let's just go with there's, there's 
An infinite variety of ways you can set up either an operating charitable platform, an operating one being one that might hire or fire people. It has services that it's actively trying to provide and act upon or a more of a foundation format, which typically is doing either administration or financial support of its own. But a a foundation often... Well, a private foundation can have employees. Right. Many foundations do have employees to do the administration. Most foundations, though, are working with supporting operating charities in some manner. Got it. And again, there's a, there's a big scale across there. Donor advice funds are a wonderful tool. They're best when what you're wanting to do with the charity is have an account, deal with getting the tax deduction, deal with making the gift in the right way, and then hopefully granting that money out to operating charities mm. in here in the U.S. That's that's what they're best for. That doesn't mean that's the only thing they can be used for, but that's what they're designed by statute to do. Right. Now, with the example you brought up, uh, you know, somebody in real estate, as an example, wanting to get involved and form a charity, they probably have a great cause that they're trying to do. Right. And there's a specific goal that they're trying trying to reach. Right. Like usually like commu- raising the community or, or it, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds to me like it's more of an operating charitable issue. Okay. Which Legacy does do a lot of accounts of that nature. We don't normally do them as donor-advised funds, though, because... As a donor advice fund, again, donor advice funds are best for raising money and then granting it out to operating organizations. At Legacy, there's something that we do here called a program fund, okay. which is when we sponsor an operating program. A lot of people with charitable intent, they're the, some of the best people on the, on the planet. They want to get going. They don't realize how expensive or time-consuming it can be. And again, all the ways you can get in trouble with the IRS right. to run a charity. Right. And so similar to some of the business incubators out there, Legacy views our program funds as a way of incubating or training, offering a platform for some of these smaller operating charitable programs to get on, on the ground. We've done that for many years here. And... We've had several of them be successful and spin off to be operating charities of their own right that we're not really connected that much with anymore, mm-hmm. other than a, hey, it was awfully nice of you to help us. But, you know, quite a few of them have stayed on our platform because they've remained small. They've re- they are working in a specific community. They only have a few volunteers. They don't raise millions of dollars. And so every cent that's raised is desperately needed to actually run the program. And that's one of the ways in which Legacy as a foundation tries to give back to the community itself is to is to help take on and provide the administrative services mm. at far below what we, you know, we do not earn anything on those. We lose right. a lot of money <laughs> by helping that out. But but that to us is a way of trying to encourage people to start their own charity, but do so in a way that makes it easy. Okay. Okay. So would that be kind of the first step that people would want to get into? Yeah. Well, normally if I have somebody call me up, what I want to hear isn't what they think should be the first step because unless they're very well informed or have been 
involved in the field for a, or a long time, they may not be aware of all the tools. Normally, what I start with is asking them, what are you trying to do with this? Are you trying to write checks to other charities mm-hmm. in, in an area? Are you trying to hire people to do research on a, for a specific disease or cause? Are you trying to scholarship students from a specific country or in, in a specific demographic area? Are, are you trying to create a program that goes into schools that you can volunteer with to teach children Mm -hmm. about XYZ, whatever that is. And if we know what they're trying to do, then we can say, ah, here's where a donor advice fund would be good. Here's where a program fund would be good. Here's where we think you might need your own structure and Mm -hmm. how that might look. And that, that ranges from private foundation to public operating charity there there's a huge range well there's actually a (laughs) a few different entities or ways you can be classed with the irs irs for that purpose but there's an infinite number of ways you can use those tools interesting and part of what's important is not just knowing what the tools are but how when and where to use them appropriately to maximize what's going to charity at the end of the day. Because again, Mm -hmm. our goal should not be building up untold amounts, sitting there doing nothing. It shouldn't be just maximizing tax deductions, especially the tax deduction thing is hopefully a nice byproduct for those that it impacts. But our goal is to accomplish the charitable intent. So if we're not doing that, it doesn't matter how we've set it up. We've failed. Right, exactly, exactly. Very good. So a little bit more about, so there's obviously a lot of different tools, a lot of different things that you can do if you're, if you're charitable. What if you're not charitable at all, <laughs> which, which I know sometimes is the case, which is perfectly fine, you know, uh, but sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with capital gains tax or you're dealing with any other kind of, you know, selling off a business or anything like that, how can charity kind of jump in a little bit to help out with that? Yeah, I, I have to admit, I much prefer working with people that are charitably minded. Right. But there are plenty of people that don't understand the personal benefit that comes from helping others. Okay. And when people, and I've I've got plenty of clientele that I work with that have not one ounce of charitable intent in their bodies, nor will they ever. <laughs> Sometimes, well, oftentimes what drives those people in that situation to work with charity is when the only choice with a certain portion of their assets is either the government's going to take it in taxes or they can give it to charity. Mm. Much as many people are voting for bigger government these days. And research on rubber squirrels. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I, I have yet to to meet the person who doesn't think that they personally don't have a better idea of what to do Mm. with the money than the government at large is. And if you don't like the party that's currently in control, well, if you like the party that's currently in control now, you're not going to like the party that's in control next. So (laughs) oftentimes we're dealing with clients that really don't have charitable intent, but their only goal is to minimize taxes. Now, I'm not going to try to discriminate against those people. I'm happy to help them uh, leave their money to charity. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) They prefer to keep it themselves. Sometimes keeping it yourself (laughs) is just not an option. Right, 
Right. So, uh, so as someone who's not charitably inclined, but they still have the ability to advise on where those funds go, how do you kind of help them advise on where do, where does that that money go? Yeah, that that conversation tends to be different every time. Sometimes we're just trying to deal with a tax issue to start, right? And then once I, I find that once we have cash in an account, even if they're not charitably minded before. All of a sudden, they're very interested in what's being done with the money. Hmm. And so either before, if we can, preferably, I I always prefer having that conversation before so that we know what we're trying to do with this money, so that we know how to invest it or not. Who are we writing checks to? What are our charitable partners? Mm -hmm. But at some point, whether before or after after we have funds, then I, I like to have a conversation with a client and say, look, I know you don't think you have any interest in this, but given the choice, would you prefer for funds to be sent to the schools in your area? Would you prefer for, does anybody in your family have a medical issue that you'd like to see better funded so that people can get better access to healthcare on that issue or so that research can be done to hopefully solve cancer or diabetes Mm. or whatever it is and i find that if you talk enough with a person even if they don't think they have charitable intent there will be something that they have a personal connection to or somebody that they're close to does that they say you know i mean it's not like i really cared before but that is a good place for the money to go please help me get it there and sometimes that does become personal and we turn that that person into uh living, breathing, charitable human being at some point. Now, sometimes that never clicks and they go, yeah, sure. Um, Why don't you send it to the local high school? I want my name all over that so that I get a lot of credit in the community. Actually, the smart ones don't want the credit. The smart ones just want to be able to give and know that they've done good. Right. But actually there there's wisdom on both sides of that okay there is there is i've read the uh the millionaire next door you know and that and that philosophy of you know there's a lot of neighbors that we have that we don't know how much they're really worth and if we did we'd probably pass out yeah we probably would and I, i've got quite a few of those as my clients and preserving their anonymity is key to them because they're not giving because they want to be acknowledged at the same time there are a lot of people who give publicly, mm-hmm. and because they give publicly, they become leader. They're leaders in certain areas of True. business or on, on, in society in some way. And because they give, other people give to be part of what they're doing. Interesting. So there's pros and cons both ways. Right. They probably also get a lot of phone calls for money. Yeah. The, uh, anybody who gives publicly is going needs to be prepared to get hit up for lots of requests. <laughs> so you have to know. What are you going to say yes to and what are you going to say no to? Because right. there are too many causes to be, for one person and one family to support. I know lots of people think Jeff Bezos, as an example, could just support pretty much everything that's needed <laughs> out there. But I, I feel like the need in the world is greater than our ability to fund it at present. Right. So. Right. And then to use those funds effectively. <laughs> yeah. And, and using them effectively is a whole nother matter because there are great organizations who are striving for even more greatness who could use a little help on their effectiveness. And that doesn't mean that they're not worth funding. Right. But I have yet to find the organization that uses a dollar perfectly. And that includes organizations that make sure that ensure that all of their op- 
operating costs are paid for outside of donations that mm. ensure every donor dollar goes to the cause. Sometimes as a charity, you can go in and make either the problem you're trying to fix worse with how you try to solve it, or you can cause other problems in solving that problem. I, I don't know what the answer is to giving, to be effective, and to really ensure that how you give makes the difference you want to make in the world and has that difference be a positive thing. Right, right. In all versions of all futures possible. Now, I I think a lot of people are doing their best to do that, and by trying in all the different ways we try, that is a wonderful thing, and we're going to see a lot of benefit out of that. I think there's a lot of merit to for charities to ask on a regular basis, is there something we can do better to be better stewards with what we've been gifted with so that, again, we can actually solve the problems? Got it. Got it. Yeah, so I guess that comes up with multiple questions. You know, first, I, I find, you know, investors who say, yeah, I want to give back. But then there's a bunch of other questions that obviously go along with that. Do you want to be known? Yeah. You know, um, and then obviously there's a lot of different vehicles to use. Donor advice funds, uh, program funds, you said. Yeah. Um, support organizations, I know. Private foundations. Mm-hmm. So there's. So do you help with consulting that and kind of gearing people to the right direction? Yeah. A, a large part of what we do is consulting. And there's not one... There's no cookie cutter answer. So every situation, whether we're dealing with a large amount of money or whether we're dealing with a group that's going to put in $200 a month and there's 10 neighbors who have each committed to putting in $20 to try to fix a small problem, no matter if it's a big monetary pile or a tiny one, it's going to have unique needs. And... And so we do a lot of consulting, and I think I like the word counseling better in nice. terms of saying... That sounds better. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. But but the point is not to tell people what they should do, but rather make sure that people are educated enough about something that really is complex. It's not something that most people, even those in charitable fields, are that aware of all the different ways in which you can and might want to consider giving, but to counsel with people and make sure that they have enough information to make the best available choice for their unique circumstance. Hmm. And that's that's a very much a dialogue like we've been having here in terms of here's the goal I want, here's what I'm trying to do charitably, or I just care about the tax deduction, help me fix that problem, and then we'll... Right. Yeah. <laughs> Again, once there's money in the bank, then, then they want to know what's being done with it. But but trying to sit down with people and talk about what matters most. And what matters most is rarely the money. The money is one... Uh, part of the equation? It's part of the equation. It's one of the tools for how we deal with what matters most. Right. But, you know, as long as you're fed and, you, and you've got a good home and your basic needs are met, Excess money, even for a charity, and I'm not saying we don't want it. All charities <laughs> want it. All charity be, charities Absolutely. can use it. People should give Absolutely. to charity. Yep. Excess money is not the problem charities are dealing with for the most part. Right. But 
but money is a tool and what really matters most is what we're doing with the money not necessarily how much we have so focusing on what impact the money's going to have both on the family and on the donor and everybody they're personally tied to and on the communities and the organizations that are getting the money and using it mm. that's a really important question not Again, we should raise more and more money to do good in the world. I'm not saying that money isn't needed, but but as we have that, what really does matter most is if that money's being used in a way that doesn't create increasing dependencies on more and more money, but rather empowers those who are receiving the help to be in a better position in life. That, you know, on the medical field, if if we could cure some of the problems out there, think of all the people who would not only be happier in their personal situations, mm. but able to be more capable of going out and serving others or right. contributing to the labor force. If we want to just talk economics on that <laughs> scale and decreasing the, the amount spent on medical spending. But there's there so many ways in which if we're being effective about why we're giving and what matters most to people, then the tax planning, the legal structures, all of that simplifies. It becomes really obvious what we should do. We should do the, right. you know, the most cost-effective, get the money to where it's needed as soon as possible <laughs> option, <laughs> which is part of why I like donor advisements over private foundations. Right, right. I, Far from perfect, but if being used right, we're writing lots of grants. Correct. <laughs> frequently <laughs> and often. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, I just, I know I talk about money a lot with people, but it's what we're doing with it that matters a lot more. Right. And that brings me to my next question. So, so when Legacy Global receives money from a donor, mm -hmm. you know, does it just sit there or um, what do you guys kind of do with it? I, I'm a big fan of having a plan before we take anything on so that everybody knows what the rules of the game are. Right. So when legacy gets money or assets, we it really depends on what it is. If it's cash, we want to know, are we granting it out to an end-user charity within the next two months? If mm -hmm. we are, we're going to keep it in cash, generally speaking, because we're writing out checks pretty fast. Quickly. Right, right. If it's not, if we've got a longer time horizon for the use, then we want to see that it's invested properly in a, in a manner that matches the time frame for making those grants. And so it's invested and obviously hopefully grows. Yeah. And okay. Legacy has an open investment platform. So nobody on my staff or board receives money for managing our investments. Interesting, okay. And so who do you guys use? Yeah, we've got an open investment platform, so we're usually using the financial advisors of the family who... Oh, that makes sense. ...who, who we're working with. Mm -hmm. And part of why I think that's important, and I'm not saying this is the only way a charity should do this, but part of why that's important to me personally and to Legacy is that because we're not managing the money it removes an incentive for us to hang on to it. Mm. And it keeps another set of eyes on what's being done with the money. Right. We own it. It's been given to, it, to us. But we've got other outside advisors involved in and looking at the management of that account. Somebody who the family is already 
already works with, is trusted, as long as we're not going crazy, we're, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're happy to, uh, to use an investment uh, strategy that the family already is comfortable with Got and it. may use personally. But again, we, we want to make sure that our incentives at Legacy are more in line with making sure that what we're doing is the best thing for the donor and our client and the best thing for the charities that we support. Mm. So we're going to match the investment time frame, and whether it's a liquid investment or an alternative investment, because we do a lot of alternative. Right. So what are alternatives that, that we could donate? Oh, well... The easiest one is real estate. Right. I love real estate. <laughs> I know you do. Real estate is easy. Lots of people own it. Lots of people invest in it. That That's an easy one. Yep. Lots of charities do real estate. Okay. So uh, commercial, residential, yeah, anything commercial, like residential, that. Yeah, commercial, residential, anything. Just bare land, everything. Yeah. The biggest issue is what to do when there's debt on the asset uh, or real estate. Yep. But, you know, as long as there's equity in the asset, we can... we can Something can be done. Something can be done. Got it. But we'll take all sorts of assets. We've got artwork. I've got, I had a client who shipped me a box full of pre-ban ivory oh, the other nice. day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what to do with that many <laughs> miniature elephants carved out of ivory. I think that's a little ironic. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of elephants, we, you know, we, we have elephants that our foundation really? owns. Yes. Wow. Over in We're, Thailand. Over in Thailand? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. One of our clients, that's what he's passionate about is elephants in particular and and protecting animals and wildlife. So, mm. and in there, the elephants we own are not because they're the investment. They are the charitable program. Got it. You know, one of them was purchased as a rescue elephant from Myanmar to to get her out of the logging business and i've seen her and the scars she has are, are horrific wow so so we take well anything that has value that we know what to do with and, and what i mean by know what to do with is we either have a plan to liquidate it or it's an asset that that has value over long term either for financial gains or to hopefully you know grant out to other charities or with the case of the elephant something who the value is preserving that life and making sure that that animal is protected and cared for. As long as we know what we're, how we're, how it works with charity, right. what what we're really trying to accomplish with our goal, you name the asset. If we can put a value on it, we will take it. So this guy rescued elephants and he got a tax deduction. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Win-win. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. So what what kind of got you involved with Legacy? Oh, I I got involved. Uh, oh, how long have you been with Legacy? I've I've been with Legacy about twelve years. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. Okay. So so a while now, and I I got involved. I, all growing up, I I told my parents I was never going to do anything in finance, <laughs> and I'm grateful I I'm not an accountant. <laughs> I have the greatest of respect for accountants and for financial advisors. I don't want their jobs. <laughs> I know just enough about it to know that. They get my respect and business. <laughs> and I got involved because I'd had some experience work, working, uh, do, doing some bookkeeping and also working as a paralegal through college. And and Legacy had their key employee quit without notice. Oh, no. 
back about 12 years ago and she said I'm coming in tomorrow and that's it and I I was not happy where I was at I was working for an HOA management company helping put liens on people over the height of their grass oh goody I cannot think of any worse yeah. job I'd rather work at a call center I know that's probably one of the most hated positions yeah and I, I know I, I don't like yeah. those people <laughs> I agreed with everybody who were telling me that it was foolish <laughs> that I was putting this lien on their house anyways yes. so yeah. I happened to be wanting something different I knew one of the board members and he encouraged and he, and he called me up and said hey would you be willing to learn on the job Oh, wow. Um, we'd like to have you. Back back then, there were no college programs in the country teaching what I do. Now, th- now there's several colleges out there that have training on nonprofit leadership or governance, oh, cool. on charitable planning of various a- aspects. But anyone then, it was, you know, they were desperately trying to find somebody who was local, hmm. who could step in immediately. Right. And who they could have enough confidence in to... To kind of run things. Run things and learn how to run things on the go. Got it. So. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Mm. And so so I guess from from a person who does real estate on my, on my own, but mm-hmm. also other businesses that I run, um, when, when do I want to start thinking about a charitable plan? within my estate plan. Well, see, I think everybody should start thinking about a charitable plan from the time they're children. I think that's an important thing for parents and teachers to incorporate. If more, more kids were brought up with a, hey, I may not have much, or perhaps I do have a lot, but I should think about others and ways to serve or volunteer. You don't have to have a lot of money mm-hmm. to have a charitable plan. Everybody should have a plan both for what they're doing with whatever they have personally and want to pass down to family or friends Mm -hmm. if something were to happen to them but also what kind of legacy or name they want attached with who they are and i think more people are aware of that than, than used to be you know for all the bad rap millennials get millennials are some of the most socially conscious people that's true generations ever so feeling like and, and that can range from a very informal attitude towards life towards a more formalized, I'm going to try to set up a charitable account of some sort. Again, it's not about how much money it is, but it's having it and having a plan for how to employ it. I'm going to have a socially aware aspect to what I do for work, whether I'm a business owner or an employee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that I live my life through my habits in a way that is charitably minded and, and i think m- more of the terms people use are about being socially aware or environmentally aware than they are charitably aware aware but they're the same things at the end of the day it's about making sure that we think about others around us right and we leave the world a better place so to me that should be done at the same time as if not far earlier than any other estate or business planning anybody should do that type of planning should go hand in hand with being aware of our impact on the world long term. And every business will do better as a result. Frankly, if the only interest people have are tax benefits, they'll do better if they think about it early on. Yeah. 
if you don't plan ahead, you're not going to get a tax break. If you don't plan ahead, we're going to have landfills that we don't know what to do with. Right. If we don't plan ahead, <laughs> you know, any sort of catastrophic thing will happen. And frankly, I, I'm a big fan of capitalism when done right. But capitalism gets a very bad rap, understandably so, when it's done with a short-term view of mine. Correct. In terms of, I'm going to go in and raid this corporately because what I care about is this quarter's earnings. Right. As opposed to thinking about, we want to build businesses and communities and organizations that will be around for generation upon generation because they are good for the people who own them and run them. They're good for the people who work for them. They're good for the people who use their services. They're good for everybody who has an impact on them. And they're good for the world and the earth. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just went to a, uh, a conference called Conscious Capitalism, which I thought was an interesting spin. Um, it kind of competes a little bit with uh, impact investing, but it's about how businesses can give back and and it was actually very interesting. They have a whole book on it. I just went to Half Price Books and just bought one. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm going to read was, that. You know, much as I say I'm a fan of capitalism, again, it's capitalism that cares. Capitalism that's aware that we should have not the short view, not the I'm only going to be a manager at this company for three years, so let me get my big paychecks and do anything I can to maxi maximize my incentives, mm. even if it harms people. Right around, but but to do good in the world, and I think we can do that both. In the for-profit side and absolutely on the nonprofit, charitable, social side, and everybody can and should be involved to absolutely. some degree. Absolutely. Well, hey, I want to thank you for, for coming on to the show uh, today and talking a little bit about charitable plans. We'll definitely have to have you back on because it seems like the rabbit hole can go down pretty deep. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike, for having me. I'll look forward to another invitation. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us at podcast at empowers, empoweryourlegacy.org. Thank you. Thank you.